Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for watching online. If you're watching online, inside your bulletins, for those of you who are here, there is an outline that looks like this. It says, Oh, come, let us adore him. That's the title of our series we've been working through the last few weeks. You can follow uh, with an outline. You can follow through the Bible app if you'd like as well. Just go to events and you can find the information there. And uh, today is part three of our series called, O Come, Let Us Adore Him. What we've been doing is looking at the four biblical ways to worship. And so in week one, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at what is the, uh, what is the, what is the uh, biblical way of worshiping when we're lifting up our hands. And we talked about how that is a moment of surrender for us, but it's also a moment of victory as we claim. Uh, Jesus, and as we uh, put ourselves in a position of reverence and awe towards him. Last week, we talked about bringing our gifts, the gift of priority, the gift of time, the gift of attention, and the gift of worship. Next Sunday, we'll be talking about kneeling before God, and, and how is that an act of worship, and how can it be part of our lives? And today, we want to talk to you about something that may not uh, sound like a form of worship, but I believe it's an intimate way for us to connect God. And so the title of today's message is Pouring Out Our Hearts Before God. We're called not to worship him in mind, not to worship him in just in body, as we talked about with lifting up our hands. We're called to worship God in the very depth of our soul. And for those of you who find yourself blessed and overwhelmed, it's a beautiful time of year to be grateful. I want you to pour out your heart as an act of worship and thanksgiving. Some of you may feel like your life is pretty bland right now and it lacks flavor and you might feel like you're just kind of existing through this holiday season. Some of you are going through a very difficult season and above all else, you just just can't wait to get on the other side of the Christmas season. Some of you are feeling alone during the Christmas season. And so what does it look like for us as God's people to pour out our heart? What does that metaphor mean? What does it look like for us to do that in worship? If you're in the middle of a difficult time, I hope this message, I hope this scripture encourages you to take the opportunity to have an honest moment of worship before God and pour out your hearts, both in honesty and in truth, but in worship before him. We're going to be in the Old Testament for just a moment, so go to Psalms 142. If you grab your Bible and you kind of take a stab at the middle of the Bible, most likely you'll end up right in the book of Psalms. We'll be in Psalms 142, and we're going to look at some words from David on some exceptionally low points in his life. David was called a man after God's own heart, and David himself experienced some of the great joys of Christendom. He was able to uh, defeat Goliath at a, in, in his youth. He was able to take reign over a nation. He was able to be a God king, and yet he also experienced some low moments of his life. And how many of you understand, life is just not living on a mountaintop. Life consists of going through valleys, right, and going back up to the mountaintop and coming back down. And so we see that in David's life, but I wanted to look at some verses where he speaks very candidly. Psalms 142, let's look at verse 1. It says this, 
I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. He's not saying, oh God, you're so wonderful. Oh God, I love you. In fact, he's being really honest with God. He says, man, I'm crying aloud to you. I have a complaint for you. I'm in the midst of my trouble and I need you to listen to me. Verse 3, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path, in the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me or a trap. Look at verse 4. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. How many of you this week found yourself saying something like that? There's no one in my life. No one cares for me. Uh, it reminds me of the, the parrot in Lion King, right? Nobody knows the sorrows I feel. Verse 5, I cry to you, Lord. I say... You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. He pours out his complaint before God and he says, I tell God my trouble, I'm at my bottom, I'm at my worst, I have a complaint for him. And then look at verse 5 again, the very uh, first five words says this, I cry to you, Lord. When was the last time you cried out to God? When was the last time you had a open, honest moment before God. And we don't characterize those as moments of worship necessarily, but here David is uh, immortalized with these words, I cry to you, Lord. Then we're going to watch as he calls God something very special. He says, God, you are my refuge. He uses the same phrase at another portion in Scripture in Psalm 62. He says this, Trust in him at all times, people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. As he cries out to God, he realizes God is his refuge. In fact, this word has uh, incredible uh, significance in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were actual places actual cities called places of refuge or cities of refuge. And if you as an Israelite find yourself in some trouble, and, and the Bible is actually pretty clear, if you accidentally killed someone, if there was a moment in an accident on, uh, where you actually killed someone, you could run to one of these cities of refuge for protection. This is the image that, that David is painting, that in a moment of trouble, in a moment where he is uh, alone, where he uh, he is bearing the weight of the world. He's able to run to God as his place of refuge. I don't know about you, but a lot of children have a safe place. I want you to think back when you were a kid. How many of you had a, had a place where you felt safe? Maybe it was under the bed. Or maybe that's where the monsters were, so that was not the safe place. Maybe it's in a treehouse. How many of you had a treehouse growing up? Anybody? You get in your tree house and your fort, and all of a sudden it wasn't a tree anymore. It was your private domain. It was a place of solitude. It was a place of refuge. Maybe it was in a closet. I remember growing up, me and my sister had a secret club that only she and I were official members of, and it was in the corner of one of our closets. 
Maybe it was under the blanket. What's interesting is as you grow older, your safe place isn't a place anymore as much as it is a person. The older you get, it's not a treehouse. Well, maybe for some of you, it's still the treehouse. But the older we get, it's not, a, it's not a specific place. We don't go crawling under our bed. We don't go to a closet. We don't put the blanket over our heads. What do we normally do? We typically run to a person, not a place. And it, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your uh, childhood best friend. Maybe it's a, a family member. But you have a place that is your place of safety. This is what David is realizing, that God is this place of safety. He is this refuge. God is described as our refuge, and so we are to call out to him to pour out our heart before God because he is our safe place. To cry out to him as an act of worship. I want to give you just a couple of things to think about, and then at the end of the service, we're going to move into a moment of worship where we take an opportunity to cry out to God. So this morning, two reminders as you pour out your hearts to God. Number one, as you pour out your heart to God, remember God's faithfulness in the past. As you cry out to him, reflect back to God's goodness and his faithfulness in the past. Uh, We're in Psalms 142. We're going to go to the left 100 chapters to Psalm 42. So if you have your Bibles, go to Psalm chapter 42. Most scholars believe that Psalm 42 was written by David probably when Absalom his son, had rebelled against him. And a lot of people were actually saying, we believe God has turned against you, David. We believe God has rejected you, David. There was a moment in your life where he approved you, where he appointed you as king, but now because of the course of life, because of the course of your events, God has rejected you. This is what people were saying. And so in that A frame of mind, David, we believe, wrote these words. Psalm 42 says this. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. We often sing this song as as a congregation, and when we do, it's this beautiful melody. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth for you. And that verse and that I should say that music when we sing the verse can kind of mess with our minds on what David is experiencing. David's not in a moment of calm. He's not in a moment of serene. He doesn't find himself in the middle of a Thomas Kincaid picture. Nah, he's in the worst of it. Look at verse 2. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all the day long, where is your God? You see, David's not in a moment of serene. He's not in a moment of calm. Where he is is he's in a moment where he feels all alone. He hasn't been able to eat. He hasn't been able to drink. His tears have been his meals. And people around him said, man, David, you serve God faithfully all your life. Where is your God now? You cry yourself to sleep. He's hurting. He feels alone. 
In other words, he's saying, boy, people are saying, if you serve God, why is all of this happening in your life? And in this moment, at this type of emotional state, he pens verse 4, and he says this, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. Here's what he says, in the moment of my absolute bottom, in the, modal, mo, uh, the middle of the uh, moment where um, I'm absolutely alone, where people are questioning where my God is, this is what I choose to remember, how I used to go to the house of God, under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Keep in mind, he doesn't experience the joy in the phrase right now, or the praise right now. He's remembering. He says, Man, I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. There used to be praise, there used to be joys. I used to feel the presence of God. And this is what I choose to remember right now. He goes to verse 5 and he says this: Based on remembering that, why soul are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my God, my Savior. I don't know about you, but every now and then, I feel alone. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like people are looking at me saying, where's your God, Daniel? When's he going to show up? When's he going to show up in your life? When's he going to show up? Why, soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed? Today I want to give you a chance to cry out to God, to pour out to God. But as you do, I want you to remember God's faithfulness. I think one of the more important things it's, it, uh, for us to do, especially during this time of year, as, boy, this holiday can get me focused really quick, can it? Libby and I were talking about the stocking stuffers we had purchased for each other. Let me just tell you, I got some good ones for her this year. And we talked about how we're going to wrap them so we couldn't cheat and look inside of the stockings. We, we finished wrapping some presents this week. And if we're not careful, boy, this holiday can get so me-focused. Christmas can get so me-focused on what people are getting us and what we're giving others. And what do I get to unwrap? What, is, what does Christmas look like for me? Uh, what is your Christmas list and your Christmas wish? I have a great friend in town, and uh, they're now almost, well, now 13-year-old daughter sent us a picture, and it says, my wish list. And if we're not careful, it can get really me-focused. Christmas is a good time for us just to pause and to remember God's faithfulness in our life. Um, one of the things Libby and I started doing two or three weeks ago is we started keeping a gratitude journal together. So I think we've been doing it for maybe two weeks now, where we have uh, every night uh, taken the time to think of one thing we're grateful for and trying not to repeat ourselves. And it's been a good exercise for us just to remember all that God is doing in our life, all the reasons we are to be grateful. I want you to think about God's faithfulness in the past. In the Old Testament, there's another amazing story of Jeremiah in uh, the book of Lamentations. Uh, you want to see someone who had a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, this is Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah uh, Lamentations 3 says this, I am the man who has seen affliction. 
This is his resume. This is his autobiography. I am the man who has seen affliction. And then for 20 verses, Jeremiah lists the pain, the anguish, the complaints that he has. And let me just encourage you, you have permission to do this as a child of God. You have permission from God Almighty to pour out your hearts, your anguish, your, your cries, your affliction, your complaints. You may cry out to God financially, Lord, I am in a wreck. If something doesn't happen soon, I don't know where this is going to end. And this time of year is incredibly hard. You might cry out to God on behalf of your children and say, God, please have mercy on this child. I can't believe they're doing what they're doing. I can't believe uh, they're in a position that they put themselves in. So you cry out to God for your children. God already knows, and so I think it's important for us to be honest and open in our worship. Jeremiah continues in Jeremiah verse, uh, I'm sorry, Lamentations 3, verse 19. He says this, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. And then verse 21, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. In the middle of his desperate cry from, uh, from the anguish and bitterness he's experienced, he cries out to God and says, Yet this I remember, God's great love, we are not consumed, his compassions do not fail. I want you to think back to a time where God answered a prayer in your life, and maybe it was for a child, maybe for your financial situation, maybe it was for a sickness in your family, and you cried out to God, and you prayed out, and you poured out your heart before God, and God answered and met that need in a way maybe you didn't anticipate. This is what Jeremiah is doing. I recall, and this is the reason I have hope, the Lord's compassions do not fail. We are not consumed by our present circumstances. We're consumed by our present afflictions. In fact, I have hope because the Lord's compassions, they are new every morning. They never fail. I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. I can't tell you how many times that the very thing I have disliked in a season in my life, that when I look back and I can see God's purposes and his plans, I see the reason me through. Remember the faithfulness of God. Cry out to him. Cry out to him and let it turn to worship. Though you don't understand, as you would in any other way, remember the faithfulness of God. That's first, as you pour out your hearts before God. Remember God's faithfulness in the past. And then I would say, secondly, as you pour out your heart to God, trust in God's power for the future. Trust in his power for your future. The psalmist in Psalms 102, turn, turn there if you would, Psalms 102. This is another portion of the psalmist's low point in his life. Psalms 102 verse 1 says this, Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress, Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. Let's skip down to verse 5. He says this, In my distress, I groan aloud and I'm reduced to skin and bones. 
I lie awake and I have become like a bird alone on a roof. And then there's three words that change everything. He goes on in Psalms 102 to describe his anguish, to describe his distress, uh, his affliction, the pain that he's going through. And then in verse 12, he says this, But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. The psalmist is saying, my life is falling apart. I do not understand. Um, I'm alone. I am threatened. I am uh, in anguish. I'm in an affliction. I'm all alone. And those around me are saying, man, where is your God at this moment? And in his honesty, he says, but you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures throughout all generations. Some of this morning need to have a but you, God, type of moment. You need to have a moment where in your honesty, you pour out your heart before God and you remember God's faithfulness in the past, but then you have a moment where you say, but you, God, you are enthroned forever. You're gonna cry, you're gonna pour out, you're gonna complain before God, and in your honesty, you're gonna realize that from the pit of your pain, you cry out to God, and yet you keep crying out to him because you end up pushing through the pain to the point of praise. God, I don't understand it. I don't like it. I wish there was some other way. But you, God, you're still in charge. You are still on the throne. Your purposes and your plans are still in place. You have plans to bless your people, to prosper them. You, God, you're working all things to bring about good uh, to, the, to them that are called according to your purpose. But you, God, you're enthroned forever. You're afraid and you do not know what is to come, but you, God, have given a spirit of fear. Or not given a spirit of fear. You've given the spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And at some point, you plead, you cry, you pour out your heart because you know that God will show up. He's close to the brokenhearted and suddenly your plea to help turn will help turn your pain into praise because he is worthy of all the praise. Do you, ever, do you guys have a good gift giver in your life? Uh, someone that just knows how to give really good gifts? Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, uh, someone who takes into account your personality, someone who takes into account your giftings and, and everything like that, and then when you get a gift for them, before you open it, you're already... Anybody have a gift giver like that? I think what's interesting is God works often the same way. And through the course of our life, as we uh, remember God's faithfulness in the past, as we look forward to the way he's able to shape the future, there are moments in our life that as we trust him and we go to a moment of difficulty and God has something in store for us, we learn to praise him even in the moment. We learn to praise him even before we go through it because we thank God in advance. We don't know what's going to happen, but you know he is also always good. You don't know what's going to happen, but you thank him ahead of time. And you know that he'll prove himself faithful. And suddenly out of your pain, you find the ability to worship. Not because it feels good. Not because you're feeling up to it. But because you know that God is always good. And so you end up pushing through the pain to the point of praise. Praise. 
I want to encourage you to pour out your heart before God today. I want you to encourage you to remember God's faithfulness in the past. I want you to think about the faithfulness of the past even before you were born. I want you to think about God's faithfulness in your family. I want you to think about the faithfulness that God has exhibited in Scripture, the way that he has uh, protected his people, the way that he has shown up in the lives of them whose heart has been completely toward God. And I want you to pour out your heart as you trust God for the future. He says, but you, Lord, you sit enthroned forever, and your renown endures throughout all generations. Our God has been faithful in the past, and he is good in the present. Therefore, you can trust him with your future. Boy, if you're hurting today, if you feel alone, and some of the words of the psalmist resonate with you because you're alone, you're downcast, you are feeling defeated, I want you to think about the fact that God can handle it. And at some point in the middle of your pain, I want you to think about worshiping God, not for the present circumstances you're experiencing, but for the way that God is going to bring you out of it. I want you to think about what it looks like for you to pour out your heart before God. There's an interesting phenomenon in the Psalms where um, we admire David for his honesty, and yet sometimes it's really hard for us to duplicate that kind of honesty. Sometimes it's really hard for us to have an honest moment in an honest conversation with God. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, what would it look like if you had an honest conversation with God? What are the things that you want to tell him that you're just keeping in your heart? What are the moments in, in your life where you are, you, you are feeling like, my goodness, this is what I feel, but I could never share that with God. Let me let you in on something. He already knows. He already knows. One of the beautiful things about David's life is we're able to see him from the beginning to the end. We're able to see uh, all the different uh, ups and downs in David's life. And yet in David's life, he had this honest moment of confession. He had these honest moments where he turned to God out of pure praise. I want you to think about what it looks like to pour out your hearts before him in worship. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as we have a time of prayer. Our worship team is going to come forward and they're going to help us worship. We're going to sing a couple of songs this morning that help us center our hearts on who you are. We're going to sing a song that declares his word as a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. We're going to sing a song that declares Emmanuel, God with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God that cares about us that you are near to the brokenhearted. God, as we expand our desire to worship you, I pray, God, that part of knowing your love in you would be the freedom to pour out our hearts to you. I want you to keep your heads bowed for just a moment. I want to take a moment and especially pray for those of you who are in the middle of a very difficult season. Right now, you cry out to God, it's from a place of pain, from a place of questions, from a place of confusion, disappointment, anger, fear, whatever the case would be, and you need special prayer today. I want to pray very specifically that you'll be able to be open and honest with God, 
and that you would, able, you would be able to push through the pain and see the faithfulness of God. That he would do whatever it takes to bring you to a total point of trust in him. So right now, the music's just going to play in the background. What's on your heart right now in this moment? What is the open, honest conversation that you could have with God? We're going to take just a few seconds for you to have that honest conversation with God. And like David the psalmist, I just want you to encourage you to lay out your complaint. Lay out your trouble before him just in this moment. Father, I thank you that you are such a loving God, that you know the intimate details of every person who is hurting right now. So Father, I pray that even now that the power of your Holy Spirit would do something special that only you can do, that you would give us a peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand. God, for those of us who are hurting, I know that you hurt with us just as you would hurt for your own children. So Father, I pray that we would have the freedom just to pour out our hearts to you, to cry aloud, even to shout back and to say, Father, I don't understand and it does not seem fair. Father, as we do, I want us to do it from a posture of worship, knowing that you are good and a sovereign God and you long to be needed by your children. Father, we, we just acknowledge that we need you. Among the lights and the decorations and the festivities of this Christmas season, we need you to show up in our lives. So Father, I pray that you would move mountains. I pray that you would restore the brokenhearted, that you would do miracles in our life, and whether you do what we want, God, or if you wanted something different, we choose to trust you. We thank you in advance for whatever you choose to do, knowing that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and we choose to trust you. With your heads bowed for a moment more, if you've never placed your trust in God, let me talk to you for a minute. There are some of you who are going to recognize that you don't have a personal relationship with him. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about doing good things or not doing bad things. I'm talking about knowing God personally. And this is why God sent his son. He was born in the flesh without sin and he lived a perfect sinless life so that we had the opportunity to trust him. Mohammed would say that he was the prophet of truth and Buddha might say that he was the pursuer of truth but Jesus said I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and so when we invite you if you've never placed your trust in Christ to come to Jesus 
In a few moments when we take communion together, Steve Wicker, one of our elders, is going to lead us and you can identify with Christ by taking communion with us then. If you are a follower of Christ, let me encourage you to remember God's faithfulness in the past and trust him for the future. Heavenly Father, we give this moment of time as worship to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.